Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Calling All Ladies, you are invited to a wonderful day of spiritual renewal and fellowship at the 5th Annual Diocese of Harrisburg Women's Conference on October 12th at Bishop McDevitt High School. Register online at the Diocese of Harrisburg website by October 7th. www.hbgdiocese.org backslash women. Don't miss this beautiful, grace-filled day. Love to shop and eat? With a dozen food stands and even more local vendors, there's always something fresh, friendly, and fun at the Markets at Hanover. For hours and events, visit marketsathanover.com. Welcome to Why Do Catholics, the podcast from Catholics that talks about what Catholics believe. My name is Rachel Bryson, and I'm your host. Well, welcome back, Father Josh Cavender, to Why Do Catholics. It's uh, I know it's, it's been a couple weeks since I actually saw you in person. So we, we had know, a little bit of far a, too long. It's I know. Been far too long. I know we had a little delay in recording our, our next session of the podcast. So I'm glad that you're back with us. It's always good to be back. Yeah. And uh, so we're continuing our discussion of the mass. And uh, I know today our episode is about, you know, the, the Eucharistic prayer. And, and I know you you're, have some information for us about, you know, that this is the most uh, powerful prayer and, and, you know, it, this is the most holy moment of the Mass. And can you kind of explain this to all of our listeners? Uh, sure, absolutely. This is the most powerful prayer that we have, so I can't cover it in, you know, you know, 20 minutes the way that, you know, the most powerful prayer deserves. But the Mass is this prayer that the fruit of that prayer is Jesus actually showing up. And Jesus, fully God, fully man. So, so one of the things that, like, you know, like holiness is defined as, as like God Himself, like, and and what God made us to be. So, if the fruit of this prayer is that that Jesus Christ Himself becomes physically, sacramentally present, then this is the most holy moment of history. Not only is it the most holy moment of history, uh, the, the most holy moment because Jesus shows up, but but it's also because the 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 Mass itself is this representation not a representation like you know we're we're setting up like a model of it uh, but a representing of the passion death resurrection of our lord so not only is it christ himself but it's christ himself in the moment when he dies for us on the cross and rises again and so it's it's his most holy saving actions that actually show up in this moment in history. And that's not to say that like we're re-sacrificing Christ over and over and over again. No. This is the that the moment of the cross, the one-time single sacrifice of Christ is like pulled out of history. And every time mass is celebrated, those saving graces show up where we are in the moment that we are there. And that's that's pretty amazing. That like mm-hmm. so people ask, you know, what are, you know, and I've asked people before, like, if you had the opportunity to stand at the foot of the cross, if you had the opportunity to sit in the upper room or stand at the tomb, when when Christ lived those moments in history, would you be there? 
would you take the opportunity if you know you got like the behind the scenes pass Jesus Christ you know you know uh, salvation of the universe ticket uh, would you take that ticket and stand there with Christ in those moments and if you say yes then every single time that you go to mass you have the opportunity to do that and so you know just on a practical note like people bring all sorts of things to prayer they bring, you know, and, and they're good and holy and we should do them. But, mm-hmm. they, you know, you bring petitions, you know, bring your rosary, bring scripture, bring spiritual reading. Maybe it's worth bringing like a missalette or like a mass book and opening, opening that up and reading the words that are spoken at mass. And it's really easy to, to hear those words over and over and over again and kind of just let them pass by because of the, the regularity of them. You, you hear them every single week at mass over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And it's really easy to tune them out sometimes, to hear the actual prayers that are being spoken. So on a practical note of all of this, I do highly recommend that people actually bring the texts of the Eucharistic prayers to their prayer. And, and, and if this is the most holy prayer of the church, we can enter more deeply into that prayer as we pray with it ourselves, quietly with God, and understand some of the, uh, like the, the words that are being spoken by the priest uh, in, that, in that most holy moment of, of the Mass. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, Father, can you, uh, I, I guess, maybe break this down for us? Like, mm-hmm. what is happening during this part of the Mass? Sure. The big word that the Church has come to use is transubstantiation. And that sounds like a big technical word. So, so let's break it down for a second. You know, uh, transubstantiation, it's basically two words put together. Trans, which we have, so we, we see like a transition or like mass transit. It's, it's about a change, a movement in whatever that thing is. You know, you move around with mass transit or you change from, you know, in a transition, say from a transition from one job to another. Mm-hmm. I changed my job. So there's a change in substantiation, the substance. So what is, what is substance? People have... Removed from philosophical and church understanding, substance has many strange, you know, connotations in today's language. Most times we see them in whatever, you know, murder, crime, you know, mystery, police show that's out today. But it has a very specific philosophical meaning. And so it comes down to substances are what is at the core of something. It, it is the, the who or the what of a thing. And then what we'd say like the, the accidents uh, are the, the non-necessary pieces attached to the substance. So for example, that sounds really technical. So let's say there's a guy, John, that is the substance of the, of the thing, and he's wearing a suit that day. Well, if he goes to work out and changes his clothes, he's not a different person. That's something that's non-essential to him. Right? So, uh, or, or if, you know, even more... Um, uh, you know, more a part of, of this, this gentleman, let's say he is a, a soldier and in battle lost uh, a limb. That would be traumatic. That would be, be horrible. We'd never wish that on anybody. But it, he's not like a different person. He didn't like lose a limb and then become Steve. He's mm-hmm. still John. Right. So okay. the substance of, of who he is, the what of, of him is still there. So, so in Mass... There's a change in the substance, the whatness of what is sitting before our eyes. So what comes forward? 
bread and wine. And it's sacrifice. Normally in a sacrifice, like you start with something that's like, you know, like in in the old Jewish rites, you started with like a calf or a dove or, you know, a, a, a lamb. Mm-hmm. And then it would be sacrificed and, and, and it would die. And that would be a, I'm, I'm offering to God this thing that's very important to me. And it's, it's more about the offering than it is about the, the loss of life. But in Mass, what happens? The bread and the wine come down. They're sacrificed on the altar through the prayer of the Eucharistic prayer. And it changes from something that is inanimate, a what, and the substance is changed into a who, Jesus Christ. So if you want to break down transubstantiation in the most essential form in the Mass, you see no longer bread, no longer wine, only Jesus. Still looks like bread, still tastes like wine, but the what of what it used to be, bread and wine, Mm -hmm. is now a who, Jesus Christ. So God himself has shown up. Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, is now present on the altar after the Eucharistic prayer. And so it's a very powerful prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. You know, God himself shows up in our, in our, in our myths every single church, every time we go to church in Mass. Very good. Thank you for explaining that. I think that's going to help uh, a lot of our listeners to understand transubstantiation a little bit better, help clear it up exactly what's going on during, during this part of the Mass. Now, now, Father, can you explain like why God designed it this way? Why did he do this? It does seem like a very ludicrous thing to believe, and there would be no reason to believe it outside of Jesus actually telling us. He said, this is my body and this is my blood. So we believe him that it happened that way. So, But, but there's that question of why. God is organizing all of salvation history from the beginning of time. Why was it that he decided to make bread and wine change into himself? And for the first part of that is you know, the sacrifice of the Mass. So, so imagine in, in a different world where God decided to do things differently. The priest says the words of consecration, mm-hmm. and Jesus' actual body and blood show up. It started off as bread and wine, and all of a sudden you look down after the Eucharistic prayer, and there's a giant cup full of blood, and there is a paten or a ciborium on the altar full of human flesh. That would be horrifying, and, and I don't think many people would receive communion, and those that did, we would think were crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the first level is it would be truly horrifying if, if like human flesh actually showed up on the altar. But kind of continuing with that thought, if we were to actually receive Christ in that way, we wouldn't receive Christ in his fullness. We would just get a piece of his flesh or, you know, a few drops of his blood. We'd only receive a part of him. But if Jesus Christ is fully present as in the, the Eucharist, mm-hmm. as bread and as wine, then God can give himself to us in his fullness. So we receive Jesus Christ's body and blood, soul and divinity in the smallest piece of the Eucharistic bread or the, the Eucharistic wine, the precious body, precious blood. So it's not like when after Mass, after the consecration, the priest fractions the host. It's not like one half of it is like Jesus from the waist up and the other half is Jesus from the waist down. No, both pieces are fully Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity. So when we receive Christ, we receive all of him, not just a part of him, which is to realize what that means is that we are living tabernacles at that point. We have Jesus Christ dwelling within us. 
That is an amazing mystery that we are closer to Christ than we could ever possibly imagine because of how the Eucharist comes to us as in this form of bread, form of wine. So why did God do that? So that we could receive him completely and totally every time we receive communion. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, so how does all of this happen? I, I know in previous episodes, we've talked about the certain prayers that have to be said, followed by certain actions that have to be done. So I'm, I'm guessing that's involved in the consecration process as well. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Certainly. So it's at, at Mass. It's not like anybody just gets up to celebrate Mass. I guess I can get up decide to celebrate Mass because I'm a priest, but it's not like there's like a, a rotation order from the congregation on who's celebrating Mass that week. No, it, it's specifically a priest that gets up and celebrates the Mass. And that's not just a, simply a continuation of the, like the Jewish priesthood. Mm-hmm. There's There's something that's much more profound that happens. See, in a priest's ordination, he receives the authority and the grace to bestow specific graces from Christ. And one of those graces is to be able to stand as Jesus Christ in the Mass and be able to, to, to speak as Christ. So, you know, when we talk about the words of consecration, you know, it comes down, you know, uh, on the night before he was uh, before he was to suffer, suffer, on the night of the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, we get into this institution narrative where the priest starts to recount uh, and, and, and bring into this present moment what happens during the Last Supper. There's this change in language all of a sudden when we get to the words of consecration. He doesn't say, on the night of the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and said, this is his body. Those aren't the words of consecration, and if you've ever heard those, then unfortunately the Mass didn't happen. Uh, we said lots of prayers, but, but Jesus never showed up. Uh, in, in, it's only when the priest says, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood. What's different about that? The priest is, is saying the words specifically of Jesus Christ, and he's not just quoting him. The priest receives the grace by his ordination to actually stand as the person of Jesus Christ. And just as Christ said, this is my body, and bestowed the grace to make what was once bread into himself, he bestows the grace yet again in this new moment that the cross is made present and that the Last Supper and the Resurrection are made present, that when the priest acts as Jesus Christ... Mm -hmm that the grace of Christ is given to make this great mystery happen. So it's by the grace of the priesthood, by the grace given by Christ to certain men that he calls, that this great moment of the sacrifice of the cross comes down to our little slice of history whenever we are at at a Mass, and Christ gives the grace through him to make the Eucharist happen, which is an amazing mystery as well. The more we enter into this this great prayer that the church has, there, there's an even deeper amazement of how Christ is acting through us and for us so that he can be with us. That's the ultimate goal, right? To, to get to heaven, to be with Christ for all eternity. So so in a sense, this moment by the, you know, through the through the prayers of the priests, the offerings of the people, and and the, the mass being celebrated there, that that we have in a sense this slice of heaven. This, this foretaste of being 
being able to be with Christ for all eternity. And, and, and so the, the words of consecration, the, the, this, this prayer by which the, um, the Eucharistic prayer the, and, and the words of consecration by which Jesus comes about, we, we have this, this moment where we get to glimpse into heaven and we get to have this, this, this time with Christ that is unlike any other time uh, that, that, that we can have just in regular prayer or simply spiritually gathering as, as Christ's community. No, we actually get to be with Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity. And that happens in the Eucharistic prayer. That's incredible. When you really stop and think about it, it's amazing to think that this actually happens, that you are right there with Christ. And Christ is right there with us, <laughs> which they go hand in hand, but it's, we have our busy days. I get it. You know, life is crazy. Life is busy. Life is messy. But that God, in all the busyness of governing the entire universe, decides to come down and be at St. John's, St. Mary's, St. you know, uh, insert saint name here mm-hmm. for your church. Uh, that, that that's where Christ decided to come that day just because he wanted to be with us and so that we could be with him. It is truly an amazing mystery. Yes, it most certainly is. Well, Father, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And I know during our, our next episode, we're, we're going to get a little more into communion and, and then finalizing the Mass, the, the end of the Mass. So we certainly look forward to that. So that thank makes you. two of us. So thank you. <laughs> uh, so you're listening to Why Do Catholics, a podcast of the Diocese of Harrisburg. Tune in next time for the conclusion of our series on the Mass. We'll see you then. Thank you.